Hello, welcome to today's podcast episode. I hope you're well. I'm honestly doing amazing. Like, I can't explain how much Australia suits me. I'm just so happy all the time. It's incredible. And I actually wanted to talk about more fitness stuff this episode because I know I literally have fitness accounts and I do think there is so much around the mental health side of things and the positive mindset side of things because it's not always just about, you know, what workout you're exactly doing, but more your mindset around it, which is why I like to normally focus on just like the vibes and stuff. But I thought, you know what, let me share what I do know. And, you know, going from like nutrition to training to running, mindsets, also like actual kind of like facts and things I do. So I thought it'd be quite interesting. I did actually put up a question box on my podcast Instagram and people put in questions. And so I thought I'd just kind of like go along. I've got all the questions here. And then I've also just like expanded on things. So the first thing that I do want to go into, people are asking, you know, do you track or how do you balance things? And I just thought I'd go straight into that in terms of nutrition. So I don't track and it's been a rule with myself and it's a very easy rule now to do. I did struggle with an eating disorder three years ago, actually three years ago today, as in the month of December, three years ago, I was actually at my lowest point with food, exercise, body, like it was horrible. And I was actually in the Caribbean for the month at the time. So it's kind of interesting now reflecting on how I am in Australia because it's hot, you're always in a bikini, um, you're obviously a little bit on the traveling vibe even though you're kind of living, but like obviously there's like a change of environment. And I can't explain to you the difference. Like, you know, previous versions of myself used to like be really nervous to be in a bikini and just everything. And now I just feel so free. I like, I don't really care. But anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. But what I was saying was I did struggle with an eating disorder and I tracked everything to the gram. I weighed every food. I, you know, even on holiday when you couldn't weigh everything, I knew what the calories were, or if I didn't, that would send me into an absolute spiral. Oh my gosh. Like I measured everything, even lettuce, which is silly because there's nothing in lettuce. Do you know what I mean? So it it was really bad. And so my journey with tracking was as soon as I entered recovery, I basically said no to tracking. I was like, fitness power is getting deleted and you know it's been a whole journey of learning to like intuitively eat know how much food you need to get in your day and now I'm in a really good place of just like a balanced kind of way I guess something that people are potentially interested in is like but how do you potentially stay fit how do you maintain a physique if you don't know what exactly you're eating I don't know how to explain it but like I have like a rule for myself as you have three meals a day I don't care whether I'm not hungry at breakfast, I'm not waiting till lunch. I don't care if I'm not hungry in the evening, I'm eating my dinner. So on a minimum, am I having three meals a day? And within those three meals, I do like to hit protein, fats and carbs. You know, that's a nice starter, but don't get me wrong. There's gonna be times where I just want buttered toast for breakfast and I don't get any protein in. And then there's also gonna be times where I fancy a really refreshing salad and it might not have the most carbs in. 
but I know to get a carby snack in after or near or I'll just load up on dinner like in my day I do try get a balanced amount of everything and then you know I try to get protein in every meal so breakfast either eggs or yogurt you know dashing some peanut butter just kind of like yeah anything like that and then I am a meat eater so just beef chicken maybe more eggs for like lunch or dinner um fish literally anything so yeah so I just try get a bit of protein in each meal a bit of carbs whether it's bread pasta potatoes rice and then fats you know putting peanut butter on my breakfast or avocado lunch could be avocado it could be having salmon and then the same with dinner it could be having like a higher percentage fat with beef which i do prefer because it's actually just tastier maybe having some butter on some things um avocados again so that's kind of like roughly how i do it and then i also make like i have a few i have a few i say rules but they're actually healthy rules and i think that has been a way of knowing how to make sure that I'm not underfueling myself at any points. So for example, if I go do a bit of exercise, whether that's running or gym, I need to eat within the half an hour or maximum 45 minutes. And if I don't, it's not it's not good. Like it's not. Like once you exercise, you are breaking down muscle tissues even if you are running, gymming, even if you did a light Pilates session, you are moving your body and to provide fuel for yourself afterwards is a loving act. And so that is something I do. Same for pre-workout. I don't really want to be going on a run or going to the gym without any fuel. Now, there are times like in Australia where I'm waking up at 3.45 a.m. to run at 4.30 a.m. And so what I'm able to fit in in that short time frame is maybe like half a banana or maybe more. Or sometimes I'll just like have a few gel blocks before I actually go on my run. But I make sure I get something in my system. I think some people have this idea that they're going to get fitter or lose more weight or burn more calories if they don't have fuel before their workout. And I can't explain how opposite it is. Like, take it from me, please. And... It's because to work out hard, to put in effort, to get your body awake and started, right? Having some fuel, having some carbs in you is going to allow you to work harder. If I get a little bit of, a little bit of fuel before my runs, then I'm genuinely be able to run better, therefore make more fitness adaptations, um, run a little bit faster or not be as depleted by the end of my run, and then my recovery from that run will be faster, right? So then the next day I can still work out. Whereas if you're kind of in this, oh, I just wanna like decrease what I eat, and I don't wanna eat pre-run, and I don't wanna eat post-run, you're just gonna be running off energy that you don't have, and you might, well, this will actually happen, you're gonna be losing muscle mass instead. And even if you have in your head, yeah, but like, I don't want to be bulky, so I don't care. Body composition is a massive thing. And, you know, losing lean muscle mass, like pure muscle mass on your body, 
you might think that going on a run without food is going to help that but really you're going to lose muscle mass and it's not even going to touch let's say fat on your body now i don't want fat to be a scary word but i'm just trying to basically knock down any myths that you have in your head that it's going to make you slimmer or whatnot and on the topic of that our bodies do not need to change i want to emphasis emphasize i want to i don't know what the word is i want to make it clear that you guys know that you do not need to change your bodies your bodies right now are perfect just the way you are okay it doesn't mean you can't have fitness goals doesn't mean you can't go running it doesn't mean you can't eat well and gym well but appreciating your body in the present moment is so crucial because one of the things I learned going through an ED was that if you don't love your body in the present moment you're not going to love the future one and so you're so stuck on the body you're going to have on the future when you lose that weight and then sometimes we never actually lose it so we're always in the cycle thinking we're not good enough but then on the other hand sometimes we do because I had years of trying to lose weight and I never did and then the one year that I actually lost a load of weight I still didn't feel good enough. I literally was tiny. I had rock board abs and I did not feel good enough. And I can't emphasize that enough on this podcast because so many girls have this thing that they'll be happier when they look a certain way. Whereas the absolute key to it is appreciating your present body, doing things in a loving way and within your fitness journey your body will naturally change but it will just take a little bit longer or it might not come where you want to or it might not be linear but if you're consistent and you're doing things you enjoy and you're eating food you enjoy that are balanced and stuff you will you generally will but making your body the focus is going to get you in such a twist because you're either going to care about what you look like every single day what you look like when you wake up how much you weigh how much food you eat in the day it's just going to get really tangled so my like if i'm being honest on here my body changed let's say this last year and it always fluctuates always fluctuates and i never judge it when it fluctuates either i'm just like okay cool i'm in a slightly i don't know what the right term is about triggering people but like slightly bigger body or slightly smaller body but the fact is is that i'm appreciating myself all the time so it doesn't really matter what happens but what i've noticed is that when I care least about it and I'm working out because I want to feel good and I'm eating a range of meals and I'm eating enough does my body naturally change in like a somewhat not better way but like I'm feeling like like I'm always feeling confident but I'm like oh your gains are showing like nice I'm that's cool that's when I'm not really caring about things and I'm not getting twisted about it and so and also another thing to know is that in a year you are going to go through so many different stages of your life you're going to have times where potentially you have more anxiety or you're struggling and you're feeling really low in your head or you've got a lot of work stress or you've got a work or you've got a lot of workload and you're having to work all the time and potentially miss some training it is okay like you don't have to look the same way every single month and things will naturally change and that is okay so I just wanted to emphasize on that I did get a little bit sidetracked from tracking um but yeah I focus on pre-workout post-workout foods I get in my snacks 
um, getting my three meals. And then the other thing is I eat when I'm hungry, okay? So three meals a day, it's not rigid. It's just a minimum. And so, like, I came back from the gym and I had a thing of salmon, had all the carrots and hummus, had cherries and I had Maltesers because I was hungry and then I was full. And I was like, cool, I'll stop. And not, not judging how much you're eating in a day. And I think one of the biggest things helped me too was understanding that even if you're not using MyFitnessPal or like a tracking app to track your calories, just actually not tracking the food you've had in a day is probably one of the most helpful things to get yourself to a more intuitive place to eat because if you're trying to remember what you had for breakfast, lunch and dinner and snacks, you are trying to have a third person view of what you ate and whether that's good or bad. Whereas if you kind of wake up, like this is what I do. I wake up, I eat breakfast, cool. I go a few hours, I'm doing work, I'm doing my stuff. I'm probably hungry again, so I have a snack. And then it comes around 12, 1, 2, and I'm like, okay, I'm hungry, lunchtime. I eat my lunch. Probably around 3 or 4, I'll naturally get hungry. I eat something more, dinner. But I'm not, in every moment, I'm in the present moment, and I'm just eating when I'm hungry. And I'm not going, oh, I had lunch an hour ago why am I hungry I don't care like I generally don't care and so one of the things that I realized I was doing was it's why I stopped actually doing what I eat in a day videos on my like platforms because it used to be one of my most popular videos I used to do at the beginning of my like accounts and stuff when I started and that was doing what I eat in a day every single day and I realized once I stopped tracking with an app that actually in a way like when I was in like recovery I was, and even, I don't know if some of you guys remember, because I know there's a range of people that have kind of joined on from here, but it was when I was blonde and I was living with Millie and it was the beginning of the year and I was still posting what I eat in a day, kind of um, like photo dumps, like you slide across and you show everything you ate in the day. And there was a point suddenly where I realized that it was my version of tracking. It was my version of taking pictures of every single thing I ate in the day, showing everyone everything I ate and it was a version of tracking whereas now I kid you not I'm such a foodie I do take pictures of everything I eat but I'm not lining them up seeing if like what do I think of it and I started posting it's actually so funny well it's not actually funny but it's just it links in with this I started posting like little since I've been in Australia I didn't want to like spam my story loads because obviously the food is so like yummy here and I've been having more home cooked meals. And I kind of just want to like show them off, but I didn't want to just like post every single thing that I was eating or just spamming my story. So I was like, right, I'll do like a little photo grid thing, put four pictures of some of the yummy food I ate in the day, whether that's breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a snack or breakfast, snack, snack, dinner, and like not put my lunch in or something. But I started posting it and I actually found it quite fun. Like, but I generally don't see that as tracking because I'm literally like, I'm not getting in all my little snacks, my nibbles, my everything. And I actually had some quite good responses from it and people just saying that how it's kind of helped them with learning how to eat like a variety of foods. Because some days I'll have like chicken and chips for dinner or like a burger. And then other times I'll be having like, I don't know, what is something I ate the other day? Like spaghetti bolognese. I'm having spaghetti bolognese for dinner tonight. I'm so excited. But yeah, just like having a range. 
and yeah I just thought I'd share that but I feel like that's what I've kind of got to say about tracking now I kind of want to go into like nutrition supplements basically supplements I take now none of these are an ad at all there are definitely some brands that I use but first thing I want to talk about is electrolytes this is a very new thing I've started doing and I'm really really enjoying it I was kind of looking for a electrolyte supplement recently probably like probably like the last two months it's been on my mind and I got a few sent to me I went into the shops and tried to look for some and I also looked online and just every single one had these like sweeteners in and it's not that I have anything against sweeteners it's that when I was younger when I would have sugar-free things I like that was I was basically intolerant to them like my stomach would go crazy and so it's just something that I'm aware that even let's say I have sugar-free gum or some sugar-free squash I'm fine now but I'm just aware that it used to irritate me and so I personally rather have a full sugar coke than a diet coke like that's just my preference I'd rather literally have sugar than have sugar-free stuff but that is just my stuff I know when I had an eating disorder it was the other way around I'd rather have everything sugar-free calorie-free whatever but now I'm just like no give me give me give me it all and obviously like just like gut health I think sugar-free stuff sometimes does some stuff to you anyways going on to it I'm a little bit picky with those things just making sure it's just not like I don't know weird stuff going on my body especially if I'm taking electrolytes to like do something positive to myself I didn't want to like backtrack anything and a friend basically started working for a brand and he was like oh I can send you some I was like cool like what are the ingredients like is it natural and then he was like yeah no no, no. it's like literally the most natural brand it's called Humantra electrolytes um they're obviously like a little bit more expensive because they're a supplement but what I'm trying to say is I'm talking about electrolytes and so any brand you have I don't want you to start overthinking if there's sweeteners in there if your body works well with it go for it I just know that if I have it on a regular basis my tummy isn't great so that's what I've learned about myself if it works for you it works for you there's nothing wrong there's nothing bad um but what I've realized is it makes me more energized because so you can drink a lot of water in your day but if you don't have enough salts there's an element of it that's not actually going into your muscles and body and that's because salts help you basically keep water into your body now that's not a scary thing water and salt is a good thing I would definitely recommend um, a natural salt and I would recommend having it on all your meals. I sprinkle it on my breakfast if it's savory, my lunch, my dinner and just like a sea salt or like a Himalayan salt, rock salt. But I kind of wanted something extra because although I kind of have salts in my day, I realised, look, I'm going back to Australia, I'm going to be sweating more. Even after Australia when I'm back in England, I'm going to be, well, I'm currently marathon training but when I come back from Australia, I'm going to start be doing like 25k to 35k's weekly. You know, obviously there's the deload weeks and stuff, but they are big runs. And electrolytes are really known to help your body and athletic performance. And so I kind of just wanted something to help my body along that and kind of optimize my training. Another thing that it does actually help me with is brain fog, which is interesting. And it is actually marketed as something that helps and I didn't really like know if it was going to do anything and when I take it like I just feel like 
water's going in my body and I and I feel like a battery that's been charged. I don't know how to explain it, but it hydrates your body, it improves athletic performance. I run better because it prevents fatigue. So before a run, I'll have like half a banana. If I've got more time, I'll have a full banana and I'll just like drink um, some electrolytes too. Not the full thing because you also don't wanna drink too much water before a run because it can give you like stitches like your body can find it hard to basically digest and so without sidetracking too much when you are going on a long run you want to make sure that you're always hydrating yourself but especially the day before focusing on getting salt and water in your body and carbs so that the next day it's already all in your system instead of waking up realizing you didn't eat too much yesterday you didn't drink too much you didn't get too much salt right I've got to get breakfast a load of water in before my run and then you're just getting stitches nothing's really digested and so try to actually focus the day before and then on the day you can kind of top up and I actually really prefer intrafueling so I used to make sure I got a meal before my runs and then I was talking to my friend and I was like and he's like quite good at running and like a coach and stuff and I was like why do I keep getting stitches and he was like how much are you eating before your runs and I was like like a full meal and he was like how long before I was like 45 minutes and he was like well like realistically I don't eat two hours before because if I run in the morning I like to do it when I wake up and so I'm not I don't like to wake up and then sit there for two hours doing nothing I kind of just want to get it done and so he was like well you should try focusing more on kind of fueling while you're on the run so one thing he suggested was getting like you can get like carb drinks so you put it in like just the way that I add electrolytes to my water I could add carbs to my water and drink that pre-run and during the run so intrafueling is during the actual exercise um but I haven't actually got any of that yet maybe I'll go buy some at the health food shop that would be fun but what I am doing is I've got gel blocks and so I'm always kind of taking gel blocks on my long runs anyways but I'm just focusing on it more now, the fact that I've kind of decreased slightly my food before, but then really kind of upping the gel intake during the run. So my body is kind of running off like actual fuel during the run. I got a little sidetracked again. The last thing about electrolytes is heat stroke prevention. Um, Because you're keeping more hydrated, it's gonna help. And so especially if you're running in a hot place, especially, the fact that I'm in Australia at the moment, it's just been really helpful. And how much I have, you can have like two to four servings a day. I don't think I do more than two a day. I kind of realized what I was doing at the beginning of my trip was every time I had a water bottle, I would chuck an electrolyte in. And so it was like two to three a day. And then I don't know what I realized. I don't know what I was feeling, but I kind of read it up online and it said you shouldn't have it for every water intake you have and obviously I was sipping water here and there out of the glass but now I make sure that I'm having if I'm having like one electrolyte you know I just fill up my bottle chuck in the electrolyte powder I'm also having a whole bottle of water without any electrolytes and so my aim would be like two a day I think I've had one today um I also mix in my creatine I take creatine which is actually the next thing I'm talking about um but yeah I started taking creatine for mm, I think it was like a week before Australia so that was like last week of September so wait no October November December probably 
two and a half months now I've been taking creatine. Now, let me just say, it's not been entirely consistent. And I think this is something that a lot of people find when taking creatine in terms of it stops them taking creatine because they're not fully consistent. And so, you know, the aim is that you take five grams a day of creatine. And so what people find if they miss a couple of days, they're like, oh, I'm not consistent. And then they come out of it fully. And then, you know, sometimes you're consistent for ages and then you suddenly forget and then you stop taking it. I kind of had this like understanding with myself that life happens, right? And there are gonna be days where you forget stuff. But if I'm taking it five days out of my seven, I'm a happy Larry, it's all good. I don't need to be perfect. I don't need to be seven out of seven because I could probably do that for two weeks straight and then I'll miss a couple of days. And then suddenly I feel like I'm not doing the right thing. Whereas if I tell myself, five days out of seven, get some creatine in, even though it's not perfect and completely optimal because you're supposed to do it seven days, I'm still doing something good. I'm getting the creatine in. Now, does it work? It's been a big question. There is a load of research. Now, I also want to say that it's not needed. I I don't want to say not needed, but don't feel like you have to take it at all. I just get excited by it recently. And like, theoretically speaking, as a gym gal (laughs) people you know have asked me for the last three years whether I've been taking creatine and I've always been like no no I don't want it I don't need it I don't want it in my body I just didn't really know what it did or like I don't know anyways since I've been gymming more well not gymming more because I've actually been gymming slightly less like I don't know how to explain it my training's gone from like six times a week to three times a week but I'm kind of vibing with it like it doesn't really make too much of a difference because I'm running more now I have like three runs, three workouts, but I'm going to go on to my training in a bit. But it got me excited because I was like, right, I'm putting more effort into my gym workouts that I do and I'm running like, let's, why don't we try taking creatine? I also want my muscles to pop. So it seemed exciting. Now, does it work? For me personally, I feel good taking it and it makes me feel strong. Now, there is a lot of research about all the benefits and that it is a genuine thing that helps but obviously there's a lot of factors that goes into feeling strong in the gym or being muscular it's not one thing so I can't promise that it's responsible but I trust the research and I believe that it helps me in the gym so I continue to take it now if something doesn't agree with me then I stop if something shows it backtracks me I don't want to take that supplement but if there's a lot of research into it and I believe in somewhat way that it makes me feel good, I'm, I'm going to take it. And what I mean by there's lots of factors that go into feeling strong, you know, whether you're working out consistently, whether you're getting enough water, getting enough sleep, getting enough rest, the amount of carbs you've had in a day or week, just so many things come into the benefits that you know, creating give you like feelings, not even feeling strong, but actually being stronger in the gym and all of that stuff. So it's hard to put it down to one, whereas compared to electrolytes, because it's kind of a different genre of hydration, I've been able to clearly feel the benefits because I used to never take anything like that. Whereas creatine, although I wasn't never taking anything like creatine because nothing is like creatine, I am gymming, I am working my muscles so previously there's been times where I've seen lots of gains so even though I'm seeing gains and I'm seeing my muscles pop 
it could just be continued training but i do think there's an element that helps what it actually does is it brings water into your muscles and i don't want you to think that's a scary thing now if you're going to take creatine you okay i don't think anyone should be stepping on the scales to start with that's just my opinion you can have different opinions especially if you're on your gym journey if you're gaining muscle while losing weight your weight could stay the same if not increase so if you're bothered about the weight you're on a different journey if you're worried about a scale weight i don't know like you could be losing muscle mass and bone density for all you know and then you'll be happy that you've lost weight but if you're not on the scales you could be increasing muscle mass losing weight like as in you know decreasing your fat slightly you know feeling good looking good feeling fitter doesn't matter what the scales are saying because they're probably going to say higher like i haven't weighed myself in three years in fact i got weighed once a year and a half ago when i got a breast reduction and i completely like they just asked me to step on the scale and i completely forgot a number would be there and that they would say it out loud and write it down and i was taken back i was like oh my god i know my weight this is terrifying and it took me like three days to recover and then i was absolutely fine and then now i just have a rule that like I don't want to know like even when I went skydiving two months ago or maybe it was just a month ago I was like just don't tell me my weight because I just don't need to know like I don't but yeah one thing people are scared about is water weight because they're like ah water's going into my body it's gonna make me look bulky or I don't know this water is going directly into your muscles right so the thing that let's say we talk about your bicep right and what a toned arm looks like When your bicep pops out, that is your muscle mass pushing through the natural layer of fat that you have in your body to make it look more toned. So you're not putting the water weight into the outside layer, like the fat layer, because it's natural, right? We, We have to have it. It's not putting it into there and hiding your muscles. It's putting it into your muscles, which are making them pop. So that that's my best way to describe how water goes into your muscles. And having bigger muscles with the same amount of tissue around you gives the look that you're leaner gives the look that you've got more gains and stuff right because your muscles are popping out more and my kind of mindset with it is that if it can help me lift heavier or pull more or push more or run faster or be stronger my muscles will grow bigger and i'm not going to turn bulky because muscles take a lot to grow big don't get ahead of yourself and think that if you go to the gym four days a week every week that you're suddenly going to be huge like you're not it takes years to grow the muscles that you see online anyways i'm gonna have more muscles and that excites me i I just like it so that's why i take creatine also i thought it'd be good also for running i haven't really looked at the research about it but my head just says like if my muscles are functioning better then I'm going to be functioning better and running. The next thing I want to talk about is greens. I take free-sold greens. Now they have a original flavor, which is going to just taste like greens as you get it. And then there's also a mango flavored greens, which I like to take now because it's flavored. I'm not entirely sure which sweetener it has in it, but it agrees with me. And so I take it. Uh, Literally tastes a mango juice, but it's not an ad but that's the brand that i take now i just take it for overall health because i'm getting so many benefits that i wouldn't normally get 
because if I think about it, I eat lettuce, I eat, I eat avocado, cucumber, tomatoes, fruit, whatever. But I don't get the absolute biggest range in terms of all of the other little bits and bobs. You know, I'm not getting alfalfa in my diet, spirulina, barley grass, wheatgrass. And it's got like 21 ingredients. Like greens will have basically like loads of different ingredients of these kind of rarer greens, essentially, that you wouldn't normally get. And so it kind of excites me that I get an even more range of things. And, you know, if we go on a different topic, the more diverse diet you have the more diversity your gut basically like diversity in foods is so good for your gut which is why it's really good to kind of mix things up now and then or like have lentils or beans or different types of greens than your typical lettuce tomato cucumber because the more things that your gut can get used to the more different bacterias it will kind of i don't know how to describe it but basically your gut health is improved and it's so annoying that i don't remember all the facts because there was a period of my life when i did so much research on these things before i did social media stuff i was going to take a degree in functional nutrition and it just really excited me you know learning how instead of necessarily medication how you could bring in different foods and look at somebody's diet to kind of fix diseases and just general health and stuff and I did actually do it for a month and it was when my social started and it just didn't work well because what I noticed straight away it was taking my passion and making me write essays and if there's something you must know about me is that I never liked English at school I did not like writing and so I was like, yo, I kind of just want to learn. I don't I, I don't want to write essays about this. And then also I had this inkling that the social media would work and it did. So I kind of just stopped that and I just thought I can research in my own time. But what I was trying to say is that I've always had this interest in benefits of the body and what nutrition can bring for you. So it was when I was living in London and I was really into researching about all these different kind of greens powders that would help with you like I had a little pot of barley grass wheat grass spirulina so I had like five different jars and I would literally add each one to my smoothie knowing what it would help one would help with brain clarity one would help with sleep one would help with digestion and it felt so good to add all those things to my smoothie know it would help me and so the fact that I had to have loads of jars and then obviously it wasn't I wasn't able to be as consistent because naturally it was way more effort to do but now that's why I love taking the greens because I know in the back of my head that I used to do research on all these things and even though I can't remember everything right now I know that it brings so many benefits and so that's kind of why I take my greens and the main thing is gut health skin nutrients digestion all of that jazz which is a little less athletic performance supplement vibe like creatine electrolytes protein powder um, and more just general health but again general health turns into athletic performance because if you've got a functioning body your body functions better in the gym in running last supplement i want to talk about is protein powder i don't have it every day i don't 
like it's not something that I'm like right I must have a post-workout smoothie or protein powder I'm not religious with it but I definitely utilize it I do utilize a protein powder and I definitely have used it more probably in the last six months I'd say maybe four months especially when I'm traveling like in Australia smoothies are such a thing whereas in England you don't walk around and find a smoothie shop all the time and I love getting a smoothie and then just asking for like extra protein like I just ask for protein powder to be added and so that's one way that I just up my protein in my day but if I'm at home and I tend to make like a banana chocolate peanut butter smoothie with oats and seeds and all of that stuff and so I have like a well it's actually free salt but like the free salt chocolate protein powder and I add that in and I'm not strict about it, but I utilize it if I can have it. But I'm not there like, oh my God, I have not had my daily yogurt. Do you know what I mean? If I fancy yogurt for a snack, I'll have it. I do love Greek yogurt. But yeah, it just makes it a little bit more filling and balanced, I find. You know, if I'm just having a fruit smoothie, sometimes if I'm hungry, adding some protein powder will just make me full. Well, more full for longer. Okay, I kind of want to go into training. I want to start with muscle definition. I think educating myself on natural bodily fluctuations have been a lifesaver, right? Because our bodies are changing all the time. And to be aware and not just be like, oh my God, my body is changing. What's happening? Have I done something wrong? Have I eaten more? Have I exercised less? What do I need to do to change it? Being aware of potentially why your body is changing can help because it puts you less in a panic mode. And getting comfortable with the changes, knowing that they're not permanent or that you haven't lost everything. And there's two parts that I personally like have learned slash believe there is kind of to it. There's the hormonal slash menstrual cycle part. And then there's the other side of when there's periods in your life that are slightly less in routine and your body will naturally change going on to the part where you're out of routine let's say you go on holiday you go traveling you've had a busy work life recently or you're going through exams and something is a little bit less out of routine but it's absolutely okay because life is full of seasons and I just want to say it's absolutely okay like my body naturally does it like I had some things come up you know lots of things this year which kind of put me out like every time I well it actually happened this time last year but when I dislocated my shoulder I'm out of the gym for a while when I kind of had some health stuff come up and some personal stuff come up I didn't really gym and I was kind of like eating more naturally because I was kind of more tired and stuff body changed then when I have periods where I'm working so much, my body will change when I go traveling. Like, it's very, very normal. I don't want you to think you have to be this one thing the whole year. And I don't want you to stress that you've lost your gains. In fact, I kind of turn it around and I find it quite an exciting thing. Like, once I've noticed I'm kind of out of like, oh, I've just come back from traveling and like, haven't really gymmed too much. Not in a way of like, oh my God, I look bad, but just like, you know, I'm probably slightly less strong. I find it, or I make it an exciting thing. I go, how fun that I get a little restart, that I get to kind of take a few steps back on my journey to then make even more progress. Because I sometimes find when I'm always in routine, like you don't notice any like 
strength progress or performance progress as much. Whereas when you go back a little bit, you're able to kind of feel that feeling of getting started again, which I love. Now, in terms of hormonal, I want you to know, well, firstly, the week before your period, you're gonna look and feel different. And some people get it at different ranges, but I genuinely can see a difference the week before my period. And I've learned to be okay with it and to know that it's temporary. When I wasn't aware that my body changed a week before my period, I would look in the mirror and be like, um, have I done something wrong here? Is my workout, like what's going on my workouts? Have I, like you can start questioning your your fitness journey or life and then you realize it's the week before your period and I used to never realize that whereas now you know if I kind of look in the mirror and I'm like okay look you know maybe slightly different or something and I go oh yeah I I check in myself I'm like is it your week before your period and 99% of the time it like 100% of the time it is and I go cool ride the wave don't start dieting don't start going on extra runs because you're going to feel crap because it's the week before your period. Don't change anything. Eat your normal amount. If you've got cravings, eat them. Like, ride the wave. As soon as you come on your period, your body will naturally settle again. And that's what I do. Like, that's what I do. And I guess you could be like, but Anna, I feel so uncomfortable in my body the week before my period. Like, it really affects me. You know, there's little things you can do. Wear things you feel comfortable in if if you if that is something that you know depending on where you're at in your journey you're like well I don't want to be seen in a different body or all of that stuff firstly that will naturally go as you go further along your recovery journey because I don't cover up more when I'm coming onto my period at the gym like I'm just like I don't really care if people think like I don't really care because the only time you actually care what other people think is when you care about it and because I don't I just don't really care what other people think but there could be times where I'm feeling a little less confident I just chuck on a baggy tee I'd rather do that than force myself to go on an extra workout for no apparent reason make it simple um (laughs) but yeah it's kind of out of your control and feeling bad about it will only affect your mental health feeling bad about it doesn't suddenly make your body change it just affects your mental health makes you feel low and so I just accept when my body slightly changes and I kind of enjoy the different moods and feelings that each part of my cycle brings so I'm just coming off my period so I'm feeling confident I'm feeling sexy I'm feeling hot I'm rocking around everywhere like I am an absolute boss babe right and that happens every single month since like since I've been really aware of my period and just probably like the last like eight months that's what's been happening I'll feel really good I'll be hitting more pbs in the gym I'll just feel lighter on my feet I'll feel more bouncy I'm like rocking everything I'm like gone girl and then you know it probably lasts like two weeks and then I slightly kind of like see a little dip in energy a little dip in how like flamboyant I'm feeling and out there I'm feeling I'll just probably wear roughly the same but I'm not like even more out there like I'm not wearing like I don't even know what I'm not wearing 
I kind of wear the same things, but I'm just not feeling as fresh and out there. And that's okay. I'm, I'm probably watching some movies on my sofa. Probably got a little tub of ice cream and eating some chocolate. And I kind of like it. I'm a little bit more emotional, a little bit more in touch with myself, a little bit more of like a kookaburra in its tree. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just, I just embrace it. Now, the next thing I want to go into is training upper body. And I just love it. I love the feeling. I love getting a pump on my upper body because I feel like I can see it more. Whereas I could train legs, but all I know is that my legs are hurting. Whereas when I'm training arms, I can see my shoulders pop. I can see my biceps pop and it excites me. And it, it yeah, I love having a toned muscular upper body. And for so many years, I thought if I trained them that they wouldn't look the way I wanted to. I thought if I actually lift a heavy dumbbell, I would have arms that I wouldn't like because of, could be societal, it could be how I was grown up, it could just be my own perception, I don't really know what made it. But going into my teen years, I used to be insecure of my arms and thought they were big. And so when I went into my gym journey, yes, I was kind of training up a body, but I wasn't giving it my all because I thought if I gave it my all, then my arms would get further away from what I wanted. And back then, I would rather lose weight to make them slimmer rather than to train them and build them up. Because I thought if I lose weight, then they'll look more toned, more slim. But actually, since training them loads, they've been incredibly toned because I've got muscles there popping out. And which, by the way, I am describing my old fears and I want you to know that there is no certain way that your arms should look like. And I don't want, when I use the word bulky or big, like I'm just trying to describe it because I'm obviously on the end of a podcast mic, but nothing is bad, nothing is wrong, nothing is right. If you have slimmer arms, I'm not going against you. If you have bigger arms, like, like, I'm just not, okay? I want you to understand that they are a part of your body. They are connected to the center of your body and they are a privilege. It is a privilege to have working arms. Like they help us with so many things. The last thing we should do is be judging them how they look in a picture or in an outfit, okay? They are our arms, let's love them. But anyways, it was until this year when I really started doing progressive overload And doing that is when I saw the biggest changes. And previously, I never really did progressive overload because let's say I could do 10 kilograms for an overhead shoulder press, like a dumbbell in each arm. I would turn up to the gym every day for that year doing the same way. I'd never thought about doing more because again, one, couldn't really be bothered. Two, I was comfortable where I was at. Three, I thought what I just described, that my arms would get further away than what I thought. I actually naturally fell into progressive overload this year. And again, another thing why I didn't do it, progressive overload, is because I'm awful at remembering the amount of reps and sets I've done. So I don't follow a workout plan. So progressive overload seemed like something that I couldn't do because I can't remember how much I lifted. I can't remember how many reps I did or what I did last time. Even if I note it down, it lasts about three sessions because then I forget my notebook or I can't be bothered and I don't really want to be focusing on it. But I fell into it this year because I started doing pull-ups. 
And because the number of reps you can do are so much lower than every other exercise, you can really remember. And because it's such an achievement when you can do one, two, three, five, ten, you remember that. Like right now, I can do 12 pull-ups and, oh God, I think it's 13 chin-ups. And like, I hold on to that, right? And another thing that helped was the fact that I just really enjoyed it. So I was turning up to the gym every time I was, like every time I was training, I would do pull-ups, even if it was on my leg day. Because I could do about three or four at the time, I would just do three and then get on my leg day. Now that I'm kind of doing sets of 10 and stuff, I won't do it every session because they need a rest. Anyways, since training pull-ups and handstands, it has made so much of a difference because I'm so motivated to get an extra rep every time. And if not an extra rep, I'm motivated to get higher reps within the set. So I'm not always aiming for a one rep max, but I'm going into the gym and I'm like, okay, I want to get three reps of seven chin-ups. Then the next session, I was like, "Mm, what if I did eight, seven, seven? And then I ended up doing eight, eight, eight. So I just hit a new PR. Again, it's not every single session. Today I was training. I still felt strong and I felt good, but obviously... I was probably a little bit tired in the upper body region or hadn't done it in a while and I was also doing other things I did like eight and then eight and then five or something and I don't think oh my god I haven't progressed I'm just like that's one session like you're not supposed to max out every single session and then yeah so I'm starting to seeing more gains because I'm pushing my body a little bit more and it actually transferred into like my weightlifting journey like <laughs> when I say weightlifting I literally mean just picking up the weights like dumbbells and stuff And I started actually trying to lift heavier on the things I could do. Bearing in mind, for a, let's say, overhead shoulder press, sitting down, so you're sitting on a bench, your back is kind of um, against the back of the bench because it's kind of tilted up. You've got a dumbbell in each hand, you've got the floor on your feet, you're sitting up and you're starting with the dumbbell by your shoulder and you're pushing up into the straight arms. I would normally do that with 10 kg only. Let me tell you, I started doing it with 16s, 16s. I would never dream of doing that. But there's been a few sessions where I'll go in and I did 12 and I was like, that felt easy. With my friend, I did 14 and I was like, that felt easy. So we're like, right, let's just try 16 and I could do it. And it was crazy, like that was in me. And so training pull-ups taught me that I can push myself and I can do more and heavier. And by building muscle on your arms, doesn't negatively impact you and so it kind of gave me permission to lift heavier weights like I've kind of taken out that fear that god if I am lifting 18 kilograms one day over my head one in each arm so that's nearly 40 kg going above my head I used to think that would equal bulky arms whereas now I'm like no it's going to give me more defined arms because my muscles are going to going to continue to grow And I'm naturally training more to failure because I'm just, I've got the same drive that when I'm doing pull-ups, I want to reach something. I'm like, I don't want to just throw the weights up and down, do 10 for three sets on an easy way. I kind of want to push myself. I kind of want to see what I can do. Again, when I'm coming onto my period, there is no pushing. I am just lightly going through the movements, doing what makes me feel happy. I'm going for the endorphins. But I just thought I'd update you on not feeling scared about that anymore um and I think I haven't been scared for a while but 
I just naturally wasn't enjoying weights for a while. But now that I've kind of got into rhythm with weights, I've now realized that I can push for more. Okay, going on to marathon training. And you can, I'm going to be talking about running overall, but challenges like this, like signing up to a marathon or a half marathon, can really go in either way, depending where your mindset's at. And if you are struggling with body image or trying to come overcome over-exercising, I'm going to be honest, I don't think it's the best choice. Like, I could be something, saying something wrong and you might feel that in your journey it works, but if it's something like a marathon or potentially a half, I just would be careful. And I think it's hard when, you know, potentially there's a lot of people around you doing it, signing up to these big running races, but we all have different eras of our life. And don't rush into something if you know you still have a lot of stuff going in your head, okay? Because if you have weight loss at the front of your head, you're not going to be optimizing your training, right? Because you won't feel yourself right. You'll have an overall negative view on the experience. You're probably going to become more focused on your body than the actual running. Like, you won't think, oh, I'll have a pre-run or post-run snack because your goal is going to be weight loss. Whereas when you know the actual goal is to run better, you're going to do things to optimize that, like eating loads of carbs the night before a run eating carbs in every single meal, knowing that it's going to help your training even on your rest days. So that's my disclaimer. Again, I could be wrong, but that, yeah, that's just kind of my little thing. Like focus on you first. If you're struggling from over-exercising, having a rigid running plan that's making you do more every week is not going to be the most helpful. But what I want to tell you is that it doesn't mean it's not within your journey. A lot of us that go into eating disorders have a past of really enjoying exercise and we lose that enjoyment. And then when we're going into recovery, we think, well, I'm never going to be able to enjoy exercise again. Oh my God, are you wrong? Because I thought that too at the time. And I thought, how on earth am I going to have a positive experience of exercise again? And I'm here now. I love it. And I'm doing it in a healthy way. And it fills up my cup and I'm not doing it to change my body. And it's within your path too, but just take your time. Go through your recovery process, learn to be comfortable with breast, learn to be comfortable with eating more. Then when you've done that, you can incorporate it again and find a little bit more of a healthier relationship with it. So yeah, for me personally, when I take on running challenges, I am not thinking, oh yeah, that would be great because I'll lose weight. No, I go, how cool is it to obviously I'm I've kind of been continuously running for like the last year and a half but to go into another marathon training block I am doing runs consistently I'm progressing in it because the plan is I've generally got a four-month plan so it's going to help me progress in my running I'm going to get better at it I'm going to become faster I'm going to become fitter aerobically and I'm going to commit to my commitments when I committed to doing the LA Marathon in March, so it's coming up, I'm on week three of my marathon training plan. It is so rewarding to commit to some, like to commit to the training because you've committed to the race. And I would make sure that if you're gonna sign up for a race, 
you have to commit to the training and i would highly recommend getting a running plan um if it's like a half marathon or a full marathon even if it's a 10k and you've never ran before like knowing how to train properly like i think learning how to gym is a lot easier in terms of you go to the gym even if you don't know what you're doing and you don't have a workout plan that's absolutely fine with running there's deload weeks there's you know increases in pace there's different styles of running like speed workouts long run easy runs if i had to train for a marathon myself i don't think i could do it personally how on earth are you supposed to know what the optimal amount of running is now firstly there'd be a lot of research which you are more than welcome to do and i used to be a bit like that i'd love to research loads about things but there's like an insane amount of research and not only research but experience in yourself i love the app runner i'm actually investor in runner again not an ad um but i am an investor in it which means i own part of the company and they do running plans and i am just i will be using that for every i've used it for my first marathon half marathon a 10k a 5k i'm now going to do another marathon using the plan and i absolutely love it i do actually have a code anna for a two-week free trial if you just want to trial it out but yeah getting a plan will really really help a few things that i've probably already mentioned but in terms of marathon training you need carbs pre and post run right don't after a run think oh no i had some carbs before i'll just have some protein you need carbs your muscles need the glucose okay they need the energy next thing you need to fuel yourself during your long runs okay don't be scared of gels don't don't think that like oh no like don't start getting into like a fasting head and be like no because if i don't eat for an hour and a half while i run i'll lose my weight no you'll run worse okay we care about our running not the weight and then the next one is leaving long periods of not eating after a run okay if you go on a run and you think you're being all healthy not eating for two hours you're breaking down your lean muscle mass those legs of yours that have just put in effort for a run if they're not getting energy from you they're going to eat the energy of your muscles okay um doesn't quite work like that but more of the fact that your muscles get broken down when they get worked and they need food to build them back up and so eating after a run is very very important minimum no sorry maximum 45 minutes ideally 20 minutes like within 20 minutes eat straight away if you can but obviously sometimes a little bit of preparation is needed carb loading the night before before a long run or even just any run um getting some extra carbs in is really helpful um and especially if i'm doing like a long run i like the next day so i think two days ago i did a 16 kilometer the night before my dinner was a load of pasta pesto pasta actually with some chicken but i try not to add too many extra fats on there just because it slows the digestion of the carbs um and so when i'm waking up at 3 45 a.m i didn't eat dinner that early so i kind of just wanted to like get the carbs in and so it could digest easier whereas if i ate dinner a little bit earlier chuck in whatever you want make sure you get the carbs in but you'll have enough time to digest and it'll be readily available in the morning rest is so so important you know if you're going to take on running or marathon or anything like that 
you can't expect your body you can't expect yourself to be active every day like if that's your normal routine but you're going to go into marathon training you are going to need days where you do nothing just to relax your body maybe a light little stroll to the shops to buy you know go buy some chocolates but you know being okay with rest is so important another thing a little myth going faster or harder intensity you know run you might think oh i'll get fitter right if i sprint every run i do if i'm sweating or dying by the end of it if i feel like i can't walk by the end of it you know even if it's that if it even if you think oh no but i'll just do 3k and go really really hard that will make me look better or burn more or whatever you've got in your head I'm sorry to say it's not actually the optimal way of training and you're going to make more progress by running slower and not feeling dead after every run. The reason why is if you run fast every single run and even if you're not training for a marathon it could just be starting your running journey. If you're going out there and doing three kilometers two times a week and just sprinting it might not be a sprint but it might be the fastest you can go for three kilometers you feel dead after you're basically not going to be in your aerobic zone your aerobic zone is where you use oxygen for the exercise when you go into your anaerobic zone you start producing a load of lactic acid it's a whole nother system in your body and that's when your heart rate goes up higher you want to be having you know the rule is apparently 80 percent of your runs should be slow because what it does when you keep your heart rate low and i've actually done a whole podcast episode on that um it'll be like a running one i think um if you scroll down a bit but Running in your aerobic zone will allow your lungs and your aerobic system to get fitter and therefore run faster in the future. But it takes a lot of the slow runs. So if you were starting off running, I would go slower than you think. And don't think that you haven't had a hard workout or you've done something beneficial for your body, like that you haven't done something beneficial for your body if you're not dead by the end of it. I feel better like tomorrow, I've got a six kilometer easy run. And what that means is not the fact that six kilometers is easy you know six kilometers can be a great achievement if you started running and stuff but what it means the term easy run is that you're going at a conversational pace so like you could chat to someone for the whole time you're going for a jog in the park quite literally and i like doing those runs and feeling if not fresher afterwards because my body's actually awake but i don't start speeding those up those runs and that's why i love also having a running plan because it forces you to and it educates you on knowing that that run is going to be more optimal for your race in terms of training yourself for that race if you actually stick to a conversational pace but you know going into why i'm actually doing this marathon i do love training for something hard because i focus Um, I really like putting my mind to something and I'm very good at keeping consistent and just doing activities that make me feel good but training for something hard like this I have to commit I can't you know dilly dally the next four months not really you know oh maybe I'll run maybe I won't you know I don't really care about my nutrition no I'm here to commit to my race and that excites me and you know my last marathon and i've only ever done one i went from beginner to a marathon race in four months and it was the worst decision of my life in terms of well i don't regret it at all but i don't think anyone should do a marathon straight away 
I don't think you should go from beginner to marathon because the race itself, I thought I died, not to be exaggerate, but it was so, so hard. And I basically just want to redo it. I want to prove to myself that that is not the story of my marathon kind of history or not even history but like I want to train hard the next four months so that I can enjoy the race now don't get me wrong I trained hard for my marathon one last year it was just because of my lack of running behind me like running training overall the race was just so hard and I don't regret it at all because it was probably actually life-changing in terms of teaching me what a hard experience is and pushing through like when your my body said no I hit a wall and I had to continue for another 15 kilometers or like 17 kilometers because I hit a wall at like 25k or something don't get at me if my maths is wrong I haven't really worked it out but um yeah I want to go into the race and I want to enjoy it I'm going to be in LA I want to look at the views. I want to go at a nice pace. And I'm going to be able to do that if I work hard. And I will naturally hit a PB because my other race, I did it in five hours and a half. And I just will do it better because I'm not going to hit a wall and then have to walk. I'm going to do the race in a way of pacing it, doing it well, enjoying it, not giving myself stitches because I've put pressure on myself. Fun little fact about myself, my last three races or two races... I um I've had stitches because of panic. I went into the race thinking I had to do a certain number because I post things online. I thought well, I don't want people to think I'm bad at running. And so I went into the races giving myself pressure and I got a little panic attack during them which was really really fun. And it was until in one of the races where whereas to be fair, I think it was actually mainly the 10k, the 5k I got a stitch. It could just be maybe I didn't fuel myself right or drank too much water also it's just a fast race my body wasn't really ready for it but in my 10k I knew it was this whole panic thing because I suddenly had to stop because it got that bad I cried because I thought I had failed and I was like oh my god I've failed everyone in that five seconds of crying all my tears went and I ran my fastest 2k afterwards And so it had nothing to do with my body and my body systems. It had to do with the pressure I put on myself. And as soon as I physically cried and let go of the pressure, did I run really fast? So I know for a fact, if I give myself anxiety leading up to the marathon thinking I've got to do it in sub four hours or sub four and a half hours, I'm just going to give myself a panic. I know I'm naturally going to do better. And I know that during my training, when I'm hitting a 35k run, I'm going to get to know my paces. So I'm going to be more confident in the fact that I can do it. And, you know, other reasons why I naturally know this one will be somewhat easier. I know the race is going to be hard because I'm always going to push myself to my max. But I didn't know how to fuel myself on my last marathon. I think I had like a few dates in my pocket and like a biscuit that my mum gave me like mid-race. And she gave me some lemonade because she was like stopping at so many points because I was dying. Um, Like trying to catch up with me and go ahead and find me. I didn't have gels. 
I think that would be illegal now. Like I'm gonna have loads of packs of gels on me. I take gel blocks, uh, the cliff ones, I love them, but I'm gonna have gels, which is gonna make it easier. I didn't know about salts or electrolytes. So I'm gonna have electrolyte drink in my like vest and stuff or take, I don't know if, I really don't like running with a vest at the moment, guys. I just use a running belt. Um, it's a lot easier in Australia to do it because there's water fountains everywhere. So I'm able to sip water throughout my runs. Whereas in England, not so accessible. Haven't figured out what I'm gonna do in my marathon. I'll figure it out at a later day. If I'm gonna take my vest, I'll put in electrolytes in my water flasks. The next reason why I'm gonna do better is because I went from beginner to marathon the last time. Whereas now I've had a year of running behind me. So naturally technique is better. Um, my aerobic fitness is better. Um, another reason, I've kind of already explained this, but I ran way too fast on the first one. The first half, I was on so much adrenaline, I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna fucking, I'm just gonna run quick so I can get it over, not realizing that you're still having to run 42 kilometers. I hit a wall and I literally could not run anymore. I had to run, walk, it was just whatever. So now I'm aware of that, I'm gonna pace myself, even though I'm gonna be so excited at the beginning, so much adrenaline, I'm gonna be like, you're getting past kilometer 35 and then you can speed up if you've still got energy by then. And another reason is because I'm not gonna put pressure on myself to reach a certain time. My last race, I thought I was gonna get sub four and a half, sorry. I thought I'll easily get four and a half hours. And so when I realized that I had to, when I realized I started getting a stitch because of lack of salts, hydration, um, fuel, all of that jazz, and just running too fast, I then stress myself out even more because I wasn't gonna reach the time, whereas now I don't really care. So that's gonna help. Anyways, that's kind of the end of the podcast today. I can kind of see sunset setting and I've gone a bit over time. I'm gonna have dinner and get ready for bed. I have not been having a full eight hours of sleep once since being in Australia. I've been there for like eight days now. That is unheard of. I work well on eight hours, 15 minutes. Six hours is not good, but I'll work on it. I just have to get to bed earlier, but it's really, really hard. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is I am going to go now rest. I'm going to have dinner. I do actually have a little bit more work to do, but that's beside the point. I'm sending so much love to you. I hope you have an amazing day. If you're not, I'm sending love. Um, And yeah, let me know what you thought about this podcast. Also, I would absolutely love if you could leave a review if you enjoyed it. On Spotify or Apple, there'll just be a little button where you can give it a little star number whatever you fancy um and yeah i hope you guys have an amazing week bye